Okay, so uh, crowd participation. I don't I think uh, people are. I think people are making their way back in here. So crowd participation here. Crowd, first of all, show of hands. Show of hands. How many of you are gardeners? Like you are so pumped for March. Like March is coming so that you can get started. Nobody, gar- nobody, nobody gardeners. Any. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this illustration might not work then. <laughs> I have no audible. Uh, so we'll just move forward. How many have, how many, maybe, how many have, yeah, altar call, see ya. Uh, how many of you have watered a plant before? Watered a plant. Positive, positive. How many of you walk by a plant and they die? How many? Okay, so... Since we don't have any gardening experts, I figured we'd had like somebody that likes, likes to garden. But uh, just in your imagination or in your experience, maybe some of, the, some of this might be the only thing you learn today. So, you know, get a pin out, you know. In your experience, uh, how, um, how do you protect your plants? How do you protect your plants? Make sure that your plants don't get trampled, either your flowers or, you know, your tomatoes, your peppers, or if you've got, you know, hay or wheat or whatever, you know, how do you make sure that it's all protected? You don't garden. I was going to say, this is, this, is why, this is why the illustration is going to completely bomb. Yeah, you put a fence around it, okay? You put a fence around it, especially, you know, if you've got a decent-sized garden, right? How else? How else have you seen? Somebody else um, that you've seen garden, right? You protect by fertilizer. That's what you do to yourself, Dave. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> if you smear fertilizer all over you, the scarecrow, Whitney. Okay. Yeah. Don't have pets. Right. Exactly. So since this illustration is completely bombed, uh, I'll move on. Awesome way to start a series. All right, if you're new to here, this, this is great. Um, <clears throat> we're starting a new series, Two Become One. Maybe some of you are like, you're just trying to distract us from what we know what the topic is. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll, we'll see. But uh, new, brand new series, Two Become One. And yes, it's about sex. All right, let's just get it, uh, get it out there. It's just, it's about sex, right? <laughs> no amens to that. Okay, uh, so... Um, <laughs> we're not an amening church, but I figured maybe one there. Uh, so we are going through the Song of Solomon. It's about sex, but here's what it's about. See, love your spouse more than sex. That's what Song of Solomon is about. Now, some of us may be like, ah, that sentence doesn't apply to me. Maybe you want to fill in the blank some way, some way different. Love your spouse more than hobbies. Love your spouse more than work. Love your spouse more than a perfect home. Love your spouse more than money. Love your spouse more than video games. Whoops. Whoops. Maybe for some of you, it's love your future spouse more than. What would fill in the blank? Now, Song of Solomon is about uh, love your spouse really more than sex. And what it is written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. But some of you may say, I'm not quite sure that he's the wisest man that ever lived because he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. I'm not quite sure if that's wise. Now, his wisdom was a little more practical, and a little more written than it was applied. If you read a story starting in 1 Kings chapter 1, uh, uh, you may go, yeah, he didn't apply his wisdom all that well. But even through his mess ups, God used him to write three 
books of wisdom in the Bible, starting with practical wisdom of Saul, uh, uh, Proverbs. Then we've got kind of the legacy wisdom of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes which we're going to study during the summer. And this, this wisdom book, the Song of Solomon, which is about the wisdom of servant love. The wisdom of servant love. And we're going to be looking at this book for the next seven weeks. We're going to be reading it through in our reading plan along with other things. But we're going to start at the end of the book because he writes it kind of in scenes. And we're going to start with the last scene because I believe that the last scene actually gets his point of Christ why he's reading it totally. Now, I'm going to give us all permission. I'm going to give us all permission where it's funny, chuckle, because it's just going to help us cut through the tension. Proverbs, or Proverbs, we only wish. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 8. We have a little sister, too young to have breasts. Laugh track, laugh track, okay. Um, This is his wife flashing back, obviously, to early childhood. And she's saying this from the perspective of her brothers. What will we do for our sister if someone asks to marry her? If she is a virgin like a wall, we will protect her with a silver tower. But if she is promiscuous like a swinging door, we will block her door with a cedar bar. Laugh track, laugh track. Okay, yeah, when I talked about this, read, read this to our small group on, 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 on Wednesday night, uh, one of our precious dear young ladies said, if my brothers ever did this, I would kill them. And, and I believe her. Um, but the imagery is very, very um, obvious, right? That there's a choice to be made. Wall or swinging door. Which choice is she going to make in her brothers and her role in that? I was a virgin like a wall. That's the choice she made. Now my breasts are like towers. I cannot repeat what our small group talked about when I read that. (laughs) Our small group meets 7 p.m. our house Wednesdays. Just plug. When my lover looks at me, he is delighted with what he sees. She's made a choice to be a wall, but my breasts now are like towers. I can do something about that choice now. But when my lover looks at me, my towers, he's delighted with what he sees, and he Solomon has a vineyard at Balhama. This, this isn't a metaphor. She's setting up a metaphor. This is a real deal. Which he leases out to tenant farmers. Each of them pays a thousand pieces of silver for harvesting his, its fruit. I think the, the imagery of, of tenant farmers probably speaks for itself. I hope so. I'm going to move on. But my vineyard is mine to give. Now she's into a metaphor. And her, her, her family, her business, her family business was vineyarding. Um, uh, we'll see that here in a couple of weeks. Um, and so the, the metaphor of vineyard for bodies and the sexual body part is throughout the book. Now, I think, believe that she's talking about body, which the sexual body part is a part of that, but I think she's talking about the whole body here. My vineyard is mine to give, and Solomon need not pay a thousand pieces of silver. Hey, baby, you ain't got to pay for this, bro. But I will give 200 pieces to those who care for its vines. I'll get back to that. This is Solomon talking. Oh, my darling, lingering in the gardens, your companions are fortunate to hear your voice. Let me hear it too. Hey, babe, I just want to hear your voice. Her response. Come away, my love. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. 
Hey, young buck, you ain't going to get my voice. You're going to get it all. Some of you want the altar call and you just want to go home now. You ain't so lucky. We got to break this down. We got to get something out of this. <laughs> Some of you are confused. That is the mic drop of the book. So the book ends. Hey, young buck, come and get it, baby. <laughs> like, wow. Whew. All right. So where are we going here? The first ingredient, the first ingredient to a growing marriage. Say growing, not great. Here's why. Great is a bar that we can't achieve. Growing is the next step. No matter where we are, we can grow. First step to a growing marriage, or first ingredient to a growing marriage, is a wall of defense. Wall of defense. If, we, if our marriage is like a cake that needs the right ingredients in it, but um, if the ingredients aren't right, who cares about the cherry on top, right? Who cares about the icing? cares about the good stuff. The cake's, the cake's not right. Who cares? And so what is being said here is that the first thing we need is a wall of defense. And here's why. Here's what Solomon is saying. Here's the important part of the Song, song of Solomon. Our bodies are glorious vineyards designed to be given away as delightful gifts. Our bodies are, are glorious vineyards designed to be given away as delightful gifts. Our bodies are glorious vineyards designed to be given away as delightful gifts. This is a game changer. If we think about our bodies this way, it's a game changer. We either, we either, either are on the side of ignorance never really thinking about our bodies or apathy or, or self-hatred. I'm worthless. No, you're not. Every single one of us are created in God's image. Every single one of us, which makes us a glorious vineyard, ready to be given away as a servant lover to, for, as a delightful gift. As a delightful gift. How do we achieve this? How do we get to this? How do we build this wall to protect this vineyard of our bodies? And this is for singles. This is for married people. Because a lot of times when we talk about purity, quote-unquote purity in church, it's aimed towards singles. Be pure, be pure, be pure. Guess what? Married people, we can be impure too, huh? Not even an oh my there, right? Okay. Um, (laughs) Nobody wants to fess up to that one. Um, So, How do we build this wall? First of all, our bodies are ours to give. She says this herself. But my vineyard, my body, is mine to give. And she leases it out for free to one man, Solomon. See, when we make the decision that our bodies are a, are a glorious vineyard, we make the decision to give it away in servant love as a delightful gift, we are going to protect this thing called our body. And what I mean by body isn't just what you see, but everything, mind, body, soul, spirit, everything. We're going to protect it. And if our bodies are a vineyard, are we going to let people trample on our bodies? And are we going to trample on other people's bodies? It is ours to give. 
It's a whole decision between the, the wall and the door thing. The wall and the door is actually setting up the metaphor of vineyards. If they had a vineyard in that day, what would they do? They would build a wall around it so, so, that, so that intruders wouldn't come in and trample their garden. But if their, 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 their uh, 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 wall was like a swinging door, you know, they had to shore up that hole. They had to shore up that, 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 that door. Strengthen it. So that their garden wouldn't be trampled on. This is the decision that all of us have to make. Single, married. We're going to have a wall because our bodies are a glorious vineyard made in God's image for us to give away as a gift. And maybe some of us are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is all from the women's perspective. Are you talking about only women? No, the whole book is about the two being in servant love with each other. That, that, that when my lover looks at me, that, that lover word is, is D-O-D in the Hebrew. That is a sexual reference, but she nouned it. And I just verbed a noun. Like, oh, I did with, yeah, that was nice, right? She nouned that, 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 uh, that verb. Saying, my sexual lover, I give you my body as a gift. Look, Jesus in Matthew 5, this is going to be in the study guide that's going to hit uh, many of your emails here pretty soon. Uh, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus puts us all in the grand canyon of sexual love. He puts the bar at, if you lust for somebody, you've committed adultery. Everybody's in the Grand Canyon. No matter if we're better than somebody else, we ain't jumping out of the Grand Canyon. We've got to have a way out. And later in that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us to pray. And two parts of that prayer was, God, forgive us of our debts. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses. In this context, forgive me for I have allowed my vineyard to be trampled on. Forgive me for I have trampled on somebody else's vineyard. But he doesn't just stop there. That is the healing part of that prayer. God, come in and heal my vineyard. Grow my vineyard again. Restore my vineyard. But, 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 he continues. That's not the end of the prayer. He continues and says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What's that? God, build my wall stronger. Build my wall stronger. I cannot do this myself. Look, if we all were up to our strength trying to do the sexual thing on our own, guess where we're going to head? Every single one of us. If it wasn't for God, I would do whatever I wanted sexually. We've got to ask. We've got to ask God. God, don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Build my wall back up. It's broken. Look, remember, we're all in the Grand Canyon of sexual sin. Every single one of us. Jesus has placed us, th- Jesus placed us there by that statement. By that statement. What are we going to do with it? Because freedom comes with asking for forgiveness and asking and, and going through repentance and, and finding the grace of God. We cannot find freedom without that. We only build a wall. We only, we only make our bodies more delightful by realizing it's ours to give. Secondly, are we taking care of our bodies? That weird statement of, I will give 200 pieces for those who care for its vines. 
It's really odd in other translations. That's why I'm using this one. I read a couple of my, my mainstays and go, what on earth is that? This one kind of helps smooth it over. She's saying, my, my body's a glorious vineyard to be given away, so I'm going to take care of it. So it becomes a more and more and more and more and more delightful body to be given away. Some of you may be like, body sag, bro. How can it be a more and more and more better vineyard? Because it's more than just what we see, right? If we continue to work on ourselves and grow, then we will become a better servant lover. Look, some people, some especially guys, right? How can I have sex with the same person for the rest of my life? Ever heard that, right? Well, guess what? If we're both growing and if we're both servant lovers, you're going to be having sex with a different person 50 years from now than you are now. Not literally. But because we've changed. We've developed. We've grown. A growing marriage has to have a growing person. God gave us these bodies to have abundant life in them. Jesus promised this, John 10. Abundant life. Capital L life. How can we do this? First of all, we're taking care of our physical bodies. We're eating right, decently. Look, 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 I'm not saying lose a bunch of weight. That's not what I'm saying. Are you just eating right? If we just made that change, guess what? We would have life come into us. Are we getting exercise? I'm not talking about running a marathon. I'm talking about walking down the block. Are we getting exercise? If we exercise, I think it was Lula posted this this week. Exercise is the best antidepressant. True statement. True statement, right? Right? And she's got her doctorate in this stuff. She's shaking her head yes. You don't believe me? Believe the doctor right over there, all right? Exercise? Something? How about sleep? I know some of us are in a stage of life where, where we're going to school, helping somebody go to school or work job or whatever, that I can't get much sleep and I get whatever I can. This stage of life. But if you get three, four, or five hours of sleep because you're playing games or you're going to Facebook or you know, doing whatever, watching movies to late hours of the night and you're getting three, four, five hours of sleep because of this, and then you get up and you go, why do I not have life? You gotta get some sleep, bro. God designed it for that. You do those three things physically, you'll be amazed by what kind of capital L life will come in you if you decide to do those things. How about emotionally? How about emotionally? We trashing ourselves emotionally. I'm worthless. Antidote to that? No, I'm not. I'm made in God's image. You hanging around people that think you're worthless and tell you that all the time? Look, some people, some people we gotta be around. And no matter what they think of us, we gotta be around. Work anybody? Family anybody? But how are we guarding against that emotional? destruction how about financial look even if we have debt if we are making strides to get out of debt that's life-giving it's life-giving if we give despite the fact of writing that check is when we give when we give it's life-giving how about spiritually not checking off i've read my bible not checking off uh, i've prayed but but are we coming to god for life Coming to him for life. Not for a bunch of facts, 
but for life. Asking Him, you promised abundant life. I want to get it from your word. I want to get it from prayer. Life, look, 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 look. Challenges bring life. Capital L, life. We have come up, we have brought up, we have, we have, we have decided in our society to be a challengeless society. And it's zapping the life right out of us. Talk a little bit about this in, 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 in later. But it's zapping the life out of the next generation. Challenge yourself to grow and you'll get life. Capital L life. What area? Pick one. I don't, it doesn't matter which one. Pick one. Well, I need all four. Pick one. Pick one. To challenge yourself. Because challenges bring life. Lastly, use community to make you stronger. That's the whole brother thing. Use community to make you stronger. Community, family, certainly family needs to disciple each other. It might look different back today than what it did back then, but we need to use family to disciple each other. But mentors, when it comes to sexual issues, same-sex mentors. Somebody you can trust. Sam struggling here. Same, same sex, same gender peers as well. Somebody you trust. Because the deal is, is that most people don't trust the church because we tell prayer requests about people. And we need to be a church. We need to be a people that can be trusted so that people can share the, 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 the most sensitive of things to find community, find strength. And if somebody trusts you, and you go blab a prayer request, you need to be kicked in the junk. Amen. Church discipline, right? Church discipline. Paul didn't write that, I did. Whatever you need, whatever, whatever fits. We need to be trusted. We need to be secure so that people can become stronger. I know in my own personal life, if I would have manned up, got rid of my spiritual ego of the saving religious face that I, I was trying to save and told somebody, told a peer, told a mentor, I would have gotten stronger and probably would have strengthened somebody else in the process and kick some stuff. We're utilizing community to make us stronger. Because our wall is not as strong as it can be if we're not. We're talking about freedom. Sexual freedom. God wants our sexual freedom. And he's written all over his word how to find it. I encourage you to grab a reading plan that's somewhere in a, in a chair around you or back in the back because God has put it all in his word. I, I spent more time working on this one than I have in quite a while because it wasn't just work through one, one, one book. We're going to work through Song, Song of Solomon, but what we're also going to do is we're going to work through um, other passages about sex and marriage and divorce and um, body image uh, and, and, and anything that we could find about this topic. And if you want to find sexual 
freedom, we've got to have faith in God. See things the way God sees them. Have vision, the same vision as God, and then act on that vision. That brings freedom. See, in the 60s, we went through a sexual revolution. That didn't bring freedom. Because now we do whoever we want, whenever we want, wherever we want, however we want. That's not sexual freedom. And most of us realize that. What freedom is, any freedom, is life without consequences. And we know this intuitively. Because inside the sexual uh, uh, ordeal, when we do whoever we want, whenever we want, wherever we want, however we want, in order to cover the consequences, we use condoms and pills and abortions. And with pornography, we, we, we wipe our history clean. Or if you're old school, you put it underneath the mattress. Or uh, we uh, wipe, off our tech, wipe out our texts. Or we uh, connect with somebody uh, through social media where nobody else will find it. Or we go to that motel that only takes cash in order so that nobody else can find it. What is that? That is trying to live freely by hiding the consequences. But we all know that's not freedom. That's bondage bondage what's freedom life without consequences god's written all over his word all over his word how to live a sexual life without consequences and he's also written all over his word how to find grace and mercy through the cross because we're all in the grand canyon of sexual sin and only jesus gets us out is jesus our life Capital L, life. And are we willing to struggle? Not hide, struggle. This church will love the strugglers. Not the ones that got it all put together, but inside it's a cesspool. Strugglers. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of reflection. There'll be people around in order to pray with strugglers. Not to shame them, not to say, how dare you, but to say, I'm in the Grand Canyon too. I'm struggling too, and I'm going to pray with you, for you, alongside of you, and you pray for me. Because this church is going to love strugglers. Are we ready? First ingredient, Wall of defense to protect our glorious garden so that we can give it away to somebody else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray that you will uh, guide us in this. I pray that you will um, bring down walls. I don't know if... I don't, know, I don't know anything except that uh, whatever, whatever is um, whatever can be healed it's only done by you. And you can give life to our garden again. I pray, Lord, that you right now in your grace 
bring life into our gardens, into our bodies. I pray, Lord, that we're determined, determined to build a wall. Walk in faith and see you do something immeasurably more. In your name we pray. Amen.